During this time between Passover and Pentecost, God brings us the rules of the game so that when Pentecost comes, he'll open you the window of heaven and release on you wisdom and anointing and prosperity. How many like to have more wisdom and more anointing and more prosperity? So I got on the airplane, Tiz and I were sitting there, and I opened it up. Here's the first lines to this book, The Introduction. It says, we must study the Torah, the Bible, looking upon it as a book given to us by the Almighty, that we may learn from this book to know what we are and what we should be while we're still on earth. Then it goes on to say, what will human beings be who recognize the contents of the Bible as the rules of life given to them by the Almighty? In Dallas, we call that a clue. So look what it says in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath that's Passover, from the day that you have brought the sheath of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord, and you shall bring from your habitations two wave loaves of two tents of an ephah, and they shall be made of fine flour, and they, uh, they shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. Now, all of us know this, but this is Malachi chapter 3. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you. How do we return? God says in tithes and in offerings. The offerings he's talking about is three times a year we come before the Lord, and we don't come empty-handed. We all know that, right? Okay, but here's, here's the deal. God says, count for you 50 days. Now, the question that comes up in rabbinical teaching is, God delivered Israel from Egypt. Why didn't he immediately give them the Bible? And the, the answer is, is because for 210 years... They have not been living as children of God, but they've been living as slaves. As slaves, their whole life was survival. So they would, number one, weren't serving God. Number two, they would steal and cheat and lie and and manipulate. They had to. It was not about your neighbor. It was not about loving God. It was not about loving your neighbor but it was about survival. And so the rabbinical teaching is why 50 days? Because, because God had to give his children time to stop acting and thinking like slaves and start thinking like children of God. Are you with me? And so from the time of Passover or from the time that we get saved, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Till we're filled with his spirit, there are still 50 days. This is why the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Those 50 days are given to you and I so that we can remember 
how we're supposed to act as children of God. It's not enough just to get free of Egypt. It's not enough just that I don't do heroin anymore. It's not enough that I just don't sleep around anymore or that I don't steal anymore. If I want the fullness of the blessing of God, then I need to change and become more like a child of God than I was in the world. Amen? So it's a combination of the teaching 30, 60, 100 fold. We know, we, we've been taught that three times a year, God will open a window of heaven. In about three weeks, we'll receive that first fruit offering. We're to bring an offering. We're not to come empty handed. That offering that we bring on Pentecost or Shavuot releases the spiritual and the financial power into our lives for the whole rest of the year. Now, I'll say this again. In, in, in rabbinical teaching, the Gentiles that grab a hold of this this year will never go through the valley again. You're just going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing spiritually and physically and financially. So the 50 years, we know that in three weeks, we plant a seed. The seed determines the harvest. But the 50 days determines how good we are as soil. Good soil produces good harvest. Poor soil, even though the seed's planted, produces less of a harvest. And so the Lord wants to bless us, so he gives us 50 days to become the best soil we can become and more like the children of God instead of the world. That's a pretty good deal, right? That's pretty neat stuff. Now, we taught last week that the ticket to the game, you can't even get on the train, you can't even get in the ballpark unless you're a person of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm not going to get into that too much, too much today, but you need to understand why is joy so important? Because what you are, you produce. And it's not just that we're to be happy. We are to be happy. As joy proves that we believe God is in control. No matter what's going on, all things work together for good. Amen? But also we're not just to be filled with joy, but we're to bring joy wherever you go, to school or to work or in your neighborhood. You're not to be the religious grumpy person. I'll say amen. You're to be so full of joy. The joy of the Lord is what? It's your strength. If the devil steals your joy, or if you give your joy away, or if you lend your joy, then you have no strength to defeat the enemy. Amen? Okay, so joy gives us the ticket to get in the game. First base, first base to get to become that hundredfold soil is what we're going to talk about today. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Now, in reading this and in studying this, what it makes me do and what it, what the purpose of this is to look at your life 
a year ago. Think about, have you had your breakthrough yet? Is your breakthrough there? Is your breakthrough? This, what I'm about to teach, if you'll look back and say, you know what? I haven't smoked, I haven't cussed, I haven't slept around. That's all, that's all fine. But this right here, and I mean, you, you ought not do that. It's not just fine. I felt somebody getting excited there. I felt some guy watching my television, he goes, there's my church. We ought not do those things. But that's the obvious. You know, I was telling Tiz when we were coming in, I was thinking about this scripture when they came and they said, sir, we would see Jesus. And you know, people are saying that more right now than ever before. They're saying that when you guys go to school, whether you're in high school or junior high or college, they're looking, they're not looking if you go pray around the flag or you carry a Bible or at work, if you say your prayers over your meal, they're wanting to see in you and in me, Jesus. Amen. And so that's what that, this, what I'm teaching you here is vital, vital to what God will do in your life. As I was getting ready to prepare this, I was studying he, ancient Hebrew teaching and they said this right here, which is called kindness. This right here is the number one rule for life. Kindness is the number one rule for life. Read with me in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. The Lord teaches us and he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, we think that you'll reap what you sow started with faith teaching or started with, you know, in, in, in modern days, 10, 15 years ago, or at the most back in the times of Jesus. But this is the element principle of the whole Bible. Don't fool yourself. Whatever you put out, that's what you're going to get. Let me say it again. Whatever you put out, what goes around, you know, I was going to do it, but for the sake of time, if you put everybody in a circle and, and you passed out a thing that said joy and you said just keep passing it, eventually that joy will come back to you. But if you pass out grumpy, or you pass out negative, or you pass out meanness, eventually that'll come back to you. That's what the scripture says. It said a man sowed a seed, and he woke up in the morning, and there was something growing in his front lawn, and he said, where'd this come from? And where it come from is the number one rule of life. Don't be deceived. In this, God will not be mocked. Nobody will ever say, ah, I did it, but it didn't happen to me. You will reap what you sow. So if that's true, you know what? We ought to sow good seeds. 
Most of what happens to us is because of something we've done. How many ever heard that when we were hippies, how many ever heard the word karma? Remember the word karma? Oh, it's just bad karma. Well, you know what the word karma means? Return. What you put out is what you get. Nobody ever sowed apples, no farmer, I don't think, ever sowed apples and was surprised when apples came. You, you don't sow apples and, oh God, please bring us, bring us, bring us oranges, please. What happens in the natural also happens what? In the spiritual. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. You know, if, if, if we could, you know, in, in this book that I was reading, and I can't remember what part I was reading it in, it says, you know, there are two things that motivate us. There, and, and that's true. There are two things in, in life that motivate us. The reward and the penalty. Amen? And we're all like that. Even if we're Christians, we're all like that. If it were up to me, the speed limit would be 90. Which is biblical. No, no it is. He drove furiously through the land. And we'd all bring more than riding motorcycles. His triumph was heard. No, never mind. But I don't do 90. I edge towards that. I don't do 90. Why? Because if I get caught, the other day I was, not, not this time because I had tis with me, the other day I was going to the airport and my, my, it was backed up. I'm looking at the clock, but right next to me is this lane. Come on, you've been tempted too. I'm dead stopped. I got to catch an airplane, but it vroom, vroom, vroom. And I'm thinking, well, I have the Holy Spirit with me. <laughs> Come on, you'd get in the hub lane too, except if you get caught, right? But do the opposite. Don't, it's not so much that we get caught if you do the right thing. Look at with me in Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse, uh, let me turn there real quick. Look at verse 33, 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So don't worry about it, but here's what you as a child of God must do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we know if you've gone to this church for any length of time, we know the word righteous in Hebrew or in Western Aramaic, which the New Testament was written in that Jesus would have spoken, the word righteous means the the acts of kindness, the acts of good deeds. So here God is saying, don't you worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. What you, don't worry about that. But look every day to serve God and to do acts of kindness. Why? Because when we do acts of kindness, we will reap what we sow. 
Can I, can I take you a little deeper on this? Look, look at the same verse, verse 19. And, you know, for the sake of time, I wasn't going to do it, but it just struck me that I ought to teach this. Look at verse um, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then look how it jumps into something strange here. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If the eye therefore, if, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now that's a strange teaching, isn't it? Here he's talking about lay up for your not self treasures in heaven. Then he goes into your eye. And then he goes right back into, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to live, where you're going to wear. Uh, uh, but, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and the acts of kindness. What's the eye got to do with it? Well, you, you got to understand that Jesus was Jewish. And so when he's talking to the people in Capernaum or Jerusalem, he's talking to Jews. And they understand this. The teaching in Hebrew is that we have two eyes. The right eye or the right side of the brain sees goodness, sees kindness, sees blessing. The left side of the brain, the left side, which is medical proof, the left side sees corruption or sees evil. So the teaching of it is when you look at others, close your left eye so you only see goodness. But when you're looking at yourself, look at yourself in the mirror through both eyes so you can judge yourself. Don't worry about judging everybody else. Take care of yourself. you got enough problems. Oh, I need a better amen to that. Because I guarantee you nobody's taught you that before. So this is what he's saying. If you want God to open up the windows of heaven, if you want Jehovah Jireh to provide what you're, where you're going to live and what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat, then you're to not be a mean person. You're to close your left eye that sees judgment and sees condemnation and sees fault. And look at people with your right eye. So your body, your life is full of light. And he will open up those windows of heaven. Why? Because when we see people full of goodness, we see them as God sees them, we realize how we're supposed to treat them. Okay, let me, re- let me read you something out of out of this book here. It's, it's fascinating. It says, uh, thinking about how we, how we see people, it says, it, it, what this book does is takes different scriptures and gives a really simple but great daily way to see them. Look what it says. And the Almighty took Abraham outside and he said to him, look up, please, at the heavens and count the stars. If you can count them, he said to him, so too will be your descendants. Now, we've always heard that preach that Abraham was told, if you can count the stars, then your descendants will be as many as the stars. Right? Well, that doesn't even make sense. What in in America, the Jewish population in America is like one-tenth of one percent or something. 
And nobody can count the stars. So look how that is explained in Hebrew. The rabbi explained that the descendants of Abraham are like stars. Now, now we need to understand this. We're not just talking about the Jewish people. We're talking about the whole world. The whole world. Because what did God say to Abraham? I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you because you, through you, all the nations, every people, black, round, brown, white, green, polka dotted, pinstripe, everybody will be blessed. Now listen to this. So the rabbi explains that the descendants of Abraham are like stars. We see stars from a great distance and they appear to be mere tiny specks. But in reality, in the heavens, they are gigantic. So too in this world, many people look to us to be small or insignificant. But in reality, in heaven, God sees them as having greatness. When you look at another person, realize that he is like a star. He might seem small to you. He might not appear to have uh, as having accomplished very much, gain an awareness, but gain an awareness of the great potential of each person. View each person as an entire world, as an enormous being in the cosmos. When you see people in this light, you will behave towards them with great respect. When you show others respect, they will gain greater and greater respect for themselves. This can give a person the encouragement he needs to live up to the potential God has given him. In other words, what the teaching is, is when we look at people, we need to see every person, no matter who they are, as this great, gigantic light in heaven. And that God sees every person as someone significant. From here they look small, but to God they look great. And so how we treat them really determines on how we're treating God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Look at at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Look at verse 36. And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is equal to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Listen to this. Listen to this teaching. See, once again, we're, we're learning to read the teachings of Jesus through the eyes of a Jewish Jesus and a Jewish Paul. Listen to this. Ancient Jewish wisdom declares... A person who is cruel or does not act kind, you should wonder if they really are part of God's family. I thank God I'm not like other people. Love God and love your neighbor. Let me read this again. A person who is cruel or does not act kind, you should wonder if they really are part of God's family. 
If all one does, and then it goes on and talk about the priesthood, ministers. If all one does is study, but does not act kind, it is thought that he has no relationship with God. They will know you are my disciples because when you pray, you say theus and thouest. They will know that you are my disciples and that you have a big, huge cross around your neck and carry a 40-pound Bible. They will know that you are my disciple because you go, Yea, thus saith the Lord, thy God. No, they will know you are my disciples by what? Love one for another. Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. I like that part. He who, if all one does is study the Bible, but doesn't act kind, it, it is thought that he has no relationship with God. So in other words, I can't blame, I can't be mean and say it's the anointing. Oh, man. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 31. The Bible says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the, all the holy angels with him, he shall sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations shall, will be gathered, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king... Now, (laughs) sheep and goats are all in the same herd. But when he comes, he's going to separate the sheep that go, Yeah, Lord. To the ones that said, Yeah, but... We can all be in the flock... But it's a difference between sheep and goats, right? Okay. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick when you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in and are naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. What's God saying? This is, this is the foundation of knowing the Bible. How we treat people is as if we are doing that unto God. Amen? This is the key. How many want to see the end time blessing on your life? This is it. This is, this is, this is a foundation. 
There, listen, there's going to be a lot of religious things happen. There's going to be a lot of religious gatherings. But if you really want to see God open that window of heaven, we've got to realize how I treat you is how I'm treating God. How we treat each other is how we're treating God. How I treat Tiz or how I treat my children or how I treat the, the staff that works with me is how I'm treating God. When you've done it to the least, well, it doesn't matter. It's somebody that works for me or it doesn't matter. Can, can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? Some of the meanest people on the face of the earth lift their hands and praise God. And we got to stop it. We got to start being kind to one another. Look at what it says. There's a great, great rabbi that wrote the book called The Book of Kindness. Listen to this. Developing a love for kindness transforms your life just as you transform the lives of others. Kindness is one of the main pillars of life and the world. Every act of kindness elevates your character and makes you a kinder person. And as you continue to increase your love for being kind, you increase the amount of joy that God can bring into your life. Now, it's not a coincidence that the first thing is joy. The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. How do we get more joy? By being kind. Let me say it again. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How do we get more strength? By being kind. Why? Because be not deceived. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. The kind, when people are at work, they ought to go, where's Bob? We can't start the day without Bob. He's always such a good mood. He's always so nice. He's always so, instead of the judge, be, we're not judgmental, we're kind. Listen to this, Proverbs eleven seventeen. The merciful man, the kind man, does good for his own soul. But he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Shall I read it again? The merciful or the kind man does good for his own soul. But he who is cruel troubles or causes trouble to his own flesh. Why can't I get a breakthrough? Why can't I get this contract signed? Why can't I get that raise? Why can't I that? Maybe all you got to do is not fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe all you got to do is start being nice. Look at what the ancient Jewish wisdom says concerning this scripture. When we do acts of kindness for others, you are really being kind to yourself. Listen to this. Other people will do acts of kindness for you when you do acts of kindness to others. Kind of sounds like reap what you sow. Amen? Moreover, the Almighty will reward you for the good that you do for others. When you act meanly towards people, you are acting meanly towards your own best interests 
Because when you act mean towards others, others will repay you in kind. That's good teaching. We as the children of God, we as Christians, ought to be the kindest people on the face of the earth. Now let me close with this. How many have ever asked that, heard that question, why are we here? Why are, why are we here? That's a great question. Why are we here? Or even more important, once you get saved, why are you still here? If all it is is about, if all it is is about you and I getting saved and making heaven our home, then it would be much easier if we said, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord. It'd be easier on you. It'd be much easier on me. We just pray and go be with the Lord and be over. But it's not just about us. It's about changing the world. Now listen to this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Let me go real quick here. I'm almost, I'm almost out of time. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse, look at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do we let our light shine? How do we let our light shine? Not by quoting scripture, not by prophesying. Not by preaching, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, let your light shine. How do we let our light shine? When they see your kindness, your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. You know what? You're the nicest boss I've ever had. You're the nicest person I ever worked with. You're the kindest neighbor I ever had. You're the most handsome pastor. When they glorify, when they see your good works. How did, how did you say it the other day, Tiz? Wherever you go, preach the gospel. And if you have to, open your mouth. Right? Wherever you go, preach the gospel. The greatest, the greatest gospel you can preach is to be like Jesus. Woman, where are your accusers? You know, we got, you know, guys, I, I, I know I'm sick of it. I think God's sick of mean Christianity. If we'll just love it. Well, they don't believe like we do. If they're not against us, they're for us. Amen. Let your light so shine when they see your good works. Why are we building an orphanage? Why are we building a school? Why do we stop to help somebody, some lady on the side of the road to change a tire? 
Why do we go out and help our neighbor that's doing something like that? Why at work do we go out of our way to just just say something nice, to, to, to speak a word of, of kindness? Because when they see our good works, when they feel the love of God, they will then glorify our Father which is in heaven. Amen? Where does this come from? In Hebrew, it's called tikkun olam, which means the repairer or the mender of the world. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the basis of all the Bible. Love God and love your neighbor. Now listen to me. Tikkun olam. What Jesus is talking about is you and I are called. Why are we here? Why didn't we just get saved and go to heaven? Because that's not why we're here. We're not here just to get saved and get us to heaven. We are here. Every one of us are here to repair the world, to mend the world. In ancient Jewish wisdom, it says every time we say something mean, every time we do something cruel, we're breaking the world. We're breaking the world. And God says, stop breaking the world. But every time... We do something kind. Every time we do something, we say something kind, we are repairing the world. And there'll finally come a time that we'll have more children of God doing kind things than mean things. Now, now, let let me close with this. There'll finally come a time in the house of God, Jew and Gentile and, 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 and all, all different faiths that believe in Jesus and that believe in the God of Abraham. There'll finally come a time there'll be more kind words said in church than gossiping words. There'll finally be a time that Christians are, they're more kind Christians than there are mean Christians. And one more person We'll do one more. It's, it's, and I, and I, and I, maybe I'll show it next week. It's a scale. You know, remember those, those scales of justice and the scale of meanness and the, the scale of meanness, the left scale, the meanness and cruel and gossiping and backbiting. The scale is way outweighing in the house of God, the scale of kindness. But one more Christian will do one more nice thing. And stop doing mean things and stop saying mean things and stop gossiping and stop buying money. And one day, somebody will do one more act of kindness. It'll tip the scale and the Messiah will come back. We're mending the world. Why are we here? Why are you and I here? Why are we sitting in the house of God? Why has God called us together to study and to learn the Word of God? Just to get to heaven? Just to get blessed? We'll never get blessed until we're first a blessing. Let me close you with this thought. Ancient Jewish wisdom says every time we do an act that's not kind, we delay the coming of the Messiah. So if I decide to gossip, or if I decide to backbite, or if I decide to get angry, every time I do that, you can picture the Jesus ready. And I do one more thing, and he goes. Every time you do something unkind or say something cruel or, 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 or do something cruel, you and I, we delay the coming of the Messiah. 
say, well, pastor, can that really be true? Can that really be true? The first temple was built and lasted 420 years. Israel fell into idolatry. The temple was destroyed. 72 years later, God brought them out of captivity and rebuilt the second temple. The second temple lasted 420 years. But this time it wasn't destroyed because of idolatry. It was destroyed because of unkindness in the house of God. 72 years there was no house of God because of idolatry. What if I brought in a statue of Mary or statue of Buddha or statue of something? Would you bow down to it? Why? Because that's idolatry. Idolatry separated the people from the presence of God for 72 years. But cruelty has separated us from the temple for 2,000 years. What's New Beginnings Church all about? Well, it's number one to get people saved. That's the first thing. But it's not just about getting people saved. You and I are called to repair the world. Every time we do an act of kindness, every time we make the decision that we're not going to hurt somebody, we're not going to say something, we're not going to be mad, we're not going to be, every time we're, you know, we're not going to get in moody, we're not going to do this, we're not going to get even, we're not going to say this. Every time we do that and we go the opposite way, you're tilting that. And don't you know in these last days, the eyes of the Lord is running to and fro, looking for somebody who quotes scripture, somebody who prophesies. No, he's looking for somebody that the world will say, you know what? I'm tired of religion, but I sure would like to see Jesus. Amen. Let's make new beginnings a house of kindness. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a clap offering.